welcome back once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known, popular, amazing, real play D&D show, Roll for Damage, adapted from the hit comic book series. Um, last Friday, our friends, the Shields of Twilight, got lost in the desert and fought some exploding zombies. It was pretty cool. Um, there were weird desert beasts, um, heat exhaustion, lengthy planning sessions, the introduction of Perry Cat. Um, and today we'll be talking in truly obnoxious length about all of that and also discussing the most dreaded topic in all of D&D, PC death. All of that coming right now. As always, stick around after the stream for links and resources to um, to support the ongoing fight for racial justice in the United States. Thank you to Sunbird and Lady Meows who composed our music and designed our logo. Find their info on our Twitch page. Um, we're gonna have a great show tonight. Super excited for this topic. Um, it's one that I think we're all very scared to talk about. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. Joining me today is the wonderful Laura, who plays Peregrine, our favorite druid, and Tick, who plays Sinric, our wonderful barbarian. How are you feeling, guys? Uh, you got lost in the desert and fought some zombies. <laughs> that part was, you know, the zombie part was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's easy for you to say. You got to kill a zombie. Sorry. Oh, yeah, you didn't quite manage to kill a zombie. Very sad. <laughs> Maybe Very next sad. time. From looks of it, there may be more. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Who knows what's down there? Yeah, I'm sure you'll have the opportunity to fight many more undead things once you actually go into the ruins. Um, yeah, so before you actually made the ruins, you had a little bit of trouble navigating through the um, endless sandy wastes. So for Perry, like usually walking through nature for a druid is kind of a breeze, but this is not her favored terrain exactly. Um, no. So what was it like for her to just be like walking over sand, like uh, uh, trying to send her eagles out <laughs> to find any find anything at all and seeing nothing but like a rock or two? Um, she felt like really useless and like a part of her was like, I don't know how the rest of my people who do live out in the desert have ever handled this. Like, she was like, I'll be really clever. I'll send some birds out. Uh, 
birds 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 um and the intention was actually to send out like actual peregrine falcons and i was so flustered by the fact that we were failing so miserably <laughs> that i forgot i was like uh eagles uh, birds they can see <laughs> um yeah. but for perry it was like um what's what's happening i i i can't see any plants there are no animals it's hot and i'm lost and she never gets lost except in the city so it was like weird for her to be that much farther out of her element i imagine so yeah no too bad she doesn't have like little scorpions she could send around to scuttle she hadn't seen scorpions yet Oh, you probably will. <laughs> giant scorpion. Thanks, giant nightmare. Scorpion, giant scorpion. That is my prediction for next uh, game. Um, what about Sinric? Um, he's not very heavily armored, right? Because he's a nope. barbarian, so he's not baking like um, like like Quinn. I, mean, I forgot his name for a second. Like Quinn is. It, it, yeah, the the oven. The oven. Oh, he just needs to take off his armor because you were in the desert you know, for like four days, right? Four yeah, five? something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I figure if we get another point of heat exhaustion, I'll probably end up taking off clothes and just wearing a hat and, you know, the little scarf. I mean, it's not like it affects me. It wouldn't be the right. first time this happened on stream. Yeah, just just fight naked is fine. Yeah, um, exactly. So what was it like for him to be going through the desert? Like what what kind of climate is Sinric native to? Um, definitely feel more, uh, what's the word there? at home at the ocean, like on mm -hmm. the seas, you know, on a boat, stuff like that. So I was trying to think of that aspect, you know, like if I was on a boat, what can I do? So that that's where the whole mapping suggestion came from trying to, you know, chart where you've been, because then you have a way back. I mean, but was... other than that, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of have no abilities that really help with navigation as far as like character wise. Um, except for like proficiency and navigation tools. Well, I mean that helps. So I could try. Yeah, that was Although, fun time. Probably definitely not like the heat. I mean, who does like that heat? I mean, dude, had we known you had navigation tools, though. Well, no, I don't have them. I'm just oh. proficient in them. Yeah. So if you I, have proficiency, if you have proficiency, doesn't that mean you have the tools usually, or? No. From what I understand, unless it states specifically you start uh, with the tools, you don't. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Cool beans. Okay, so you guys did finally make it to the ruins and tried to like sort of scout it out. Um, can you tell me about your kitty cat adventures, Laura? I think this this is the de debut of Harry Cat. <laughs> um one of the the key concepts that I I had created for Perry was this idea that like she would nervously wild shape. And so I've had cat in my back pocket for a while. And I was like, I need something small. Mm -hmm. um, and Perry's not the best scout. She gets really distracted and really nervous. <laughs> I was like, well, can't send Dobby. What if he jumps out and stabs something while we're all the way up here? Um, so for Perry, it was like, well, I guess I'm the only one again. No, fine. Um, but I was, I was excited to get to use a new wild shape because I, I feel like I'm either a bear or a dire wolf all the time. Moon druid life. That's true. Moon druid life. Yeah, you get to it's that moon moon small life. Small and cute. Um, but what I wouldn't have given for wings. 
Like I would have killed to have wings. <laughs> Do you have a flying wild shape or no? Not yet. I, I, Not yet. I, I have some that I'll be able to use, but provided we survive long enough. Um, I think it's level level. Got three more levels. Yeah, I think yeah. It's level eight. Um, I, I have a swim speed now. Uh, that's great for the <laughs> desert. <laughs> um, but no, I don't get to fly until level eight. So, um, okay. unfortunate. Sad. Something I look forward to. Okay, so you guys, like, on the, uh, like, at the door, essentially, not at the door, but a little farther away from the door, near this um, ruin with, like, the shambling zombies going, Ugh. you guys sort of set up a little bit of a base camp, rested your animals, um, and had what I thought was a fun planning session, but... Cinder got bored halfway through and decided to go get some stuff done without you. So um, what was Cindric's thinking exactly in that? Was he just like, this is taking too long. I want to go stir some shit up. That was more or less, okay, um, I'm tired of the indecision. We can't focus on what to do. We can't decide what to do. And I guess some of the ideas conveyed were not the best conveyed. So I was into the draw the zombies out plan personally, but you know, it sounded like, okay, I'm going to draw them out and then run away while everyone else runs in. So, I mean, that's like, you know, you're, you're throwing a really squishy person as bait and that seems yeah. like a bad idea. Also that whole take, take both healers with you. Uh, <laughs> didn't so, seem to be the wisest move. Yeah. And I figure it's literally what I did was literally like a no loss situation we either learn something positive or we don't learn anything at all. Well, Ball did get shot related Because he, yeah, stood up there like a not-so-smart like, eh, person. Don't see anything. <laughs> What's over there? But <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, it, it at least gave us the information that, you know, we needed. And yeah, they did. In really hindsight. React. Yeah. Yeah. But in hindsight, it, it wasn't that bad of an option, I don't think, because we drew everything closer to us and mm -hmm. then had, you know, Quinn the bomb go off. And yeah, it, it didn't work out that bad in our favor. Yeah, it definitely worked out. Like nobody went down. You have more information. The necromancer probably knows you're there now, but you know. Well, assuming there is one. I mean, we don't Yeah, know. we have no idea. True. Um, that is an assumption. I mean, I really thought that the the idea of, okay, well, we're going to take pot shots and like draw them out of their location, not necessarily draw them to us, was going to be our best plan. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had a lot of hope that I was like, okay, well, we'll get them out here and then, you know, we'll, we'll drop the cleric bomb on them. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we more or less did that. Yeah, minus the whole swarming situation. That was great. Zombie swarms. It wasn't that bad. I mean, eh, nobody got bit. It was fine. <laughs> No one died. Oh, nobody died, and that is a win. Nobody was unconscious. That's always a win. That is a win. We have. I think this might be the first fight in a while that nobody has gone unconscious. Who you went know, down in the spider fight? I thought nobody did. Oh no! Everybody really? went oh, down really? in the spider oh, fight. I'm really misremembering then. <laughs> Actually, I I don't think I did, or did I go down in the spider fight? Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, that was the voice of God informing us that in um, fact yeah. no he did not 
But yeah, in every other fight, I go down like three, four times. So, you know, I'm used mm -hmm. to it. It's good to see other people go down in fights. Yeah, since law in life. Um, yeah, so you guys, I think pretty much always manage to circumvent what Sarandi, our wonderful DM, expects you to do. In hindsight, what would you guess was like the um, the thing that she was expecting you to do, like the approach that was the one she planned for? We're just going to speculate. I, I think I was supposed to see the zombie come back and say, hey, zombies. And then we were just supposed to like go in. It's just zombies. Um, and initially, okay, well, we just come running in and drop the Quinn bomb. And and the um, inherent flaw to that is I don't think any of us as characters have experience with zombie. Isn't Baltaim? Baltaim does, and mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Chad's playing Q, you know, Q is sort of he wakes up and anytime he has new abilities, he just knows he has new abilities. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. Oh, that's right. He did turn undead on the right. ghost. Um, and even like, then, again, high serenity. <laughs> yeah, Serenity's just here in the background. Do you want to join up, Serenity? We're talking about fun stuff. <laughs> too busy playing those video games. Yeah, uh, secret behind the scenes stuff. Serenity's actually always here because we're streaming on her channel. She just like plays video games in the background when she's not one of the people being interviewed. She always knows what we say. Um, okay, but yeah, I, I think we were supposed to drop the Q-bomb and um, just like approach and drop the Q-bomb, but we're always overly cautious, uh, which is starting to drive uh, Perry insane. <laughs> Same um, too, apparently. Well, yeah. She likes to be prepared, but she's also the kind of character who's like, well, we, we need to get it done. I mean, she did just run off from her village uh, <laughs> instead of say, staying to like help cure people. So... This, this whole sit around and bicker thing starts to drive her crazy. Oh, well, well, you're still kind of like getting your group dynamics. So at some point some, you all learn to work together. At <laughs> Some point it might be nice to, you know, find like a face that, you know, will like act as that deciding force. Well, you know what, you should, be the, the... you should be the face you want to see in the world. <laughs> Tried, I made a decision. <laughs> I made go. a decision and I stuck with it. Uh, that's your version of a face. It's just the one character who like just is like, okay, well, I'm going to start the combat now. Well, I wasn't and trying to start combat, time. but mm -hmm. you know, when it happens, it happens. Cool. Okay, tell me about fighting the zombies because there were a couple things that were a little bit weird about them. They were not standard, completely vanilla zombies. I know Perry really wanted to rip one apart, sadly. Yeah, Perry just feels like I mean, if I'm going to be in combat, I'm going to be a wolf, then I should do something as a wolf and not be Dobby's mount. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, not a fan of those exploding zombies, though. That was unpleasant for her. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Beans. In hindsight, have... it's not like the zombies themselves do a lot of damage. So the exploding wasn't, you know, that yeah. bad. Plus, we tried to get them to explode on Dobby, so <laughs> at least I did. <laughs> yeah, we're all really dunked on Dobby. Um, how mad is Perry at Dobby right now? Also, kicking Santa's face was very good. <laughs> that was priceless. <laughs> um, she's mostly just annoyed with him. 
Because the thing is, she would have accepted this as a strategy had he asked. Mm -hmm. But he has this habit of like just assuming that people will do what he wants or can do things. And, you know, Perry wants to help, but she also doesn't like to be like bossed around or taken advantage of. Um, It's sort of a just because I have this accent doesn't mean I'm stupid. (laughs) um and doesn't mean you walk all over me kind of mentality so she's just irked mostly she has been like literally tear his throat out angry but that has sort of dissipated a little bit especially since he came in all weird and and jittery and (laughs) jazzed up after his encounter um but mostly she's just irritated Mm -hmm. Actually, kind of funny considering in hindsight, I think uh, so far visually he's the character that shows the most most growth in yeah, such a had, short time. He's had a lot of character growth, but it hasn't made him I, not annoying. You know? Well, you know, I find it funny because I mean, I I liken Dobby to, you know, that fifty year old that never grew up and is still believing they're sixteen because they never had the opportunity to grow up. Yeah, well, halflings live to be like 200, don't they? So yeah. he's not that old by halfling standards. Well, I, I, I wasn't speaking in like halfling terms. I was speaking more I know. Like, you know, our terms. But that, that person <laughs> that, you know, is much older than what they pretend to be. Or how they act. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. So you guys excited to find out what's in the depths of the ruins, be they necromancer or race or ghoul or whatever. <laughs> I'm always excited to see what what More she's got waiting for us because I it's it's always something I definitely didn't expect. Like I, I knew that this stuff was not going to be abandoned. Um, Obviously not. That'd be too, boring. That's too. We wouldn't easy. get that lucky. And, and yeah, no, no, we don't we don't get that lucky. Um, but like I always look forward to the next session. I always I'm always excited to see what's going to happen next because whatever I think it is, it's not. It's just mm-hmm. not. It's never going to be. I mean, Wasn't imagine how the DM feels. It's like, I got all this stuff planned, and then we just go and like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. We're going to go around, go the other <laughs> direction. <laughs> you know, it happens. It happens. We're going to light a house full of vampires on fire instead of confronting them. Hey, we still got to confront them. Yeah, you know, th- is, isn't that technically confronting them? Just in an indirect way. We tried. We did. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, we tried. Oh. <laughs> um. But yeah, I'm really curious just to see what's going to be waiting for us because this is like a big moment for Ball. It is. Um, and like we're diving headlong into his story now, and his story is so weird because it lines up with Q's so much. And I'm so interested to find out like, why? Like, what if how did Maddie this coincidence happen? His sister too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all shall be revealed. Okay. Um, I think now, it's a little bit early, but I think we're going to dive now into our topic for the day, the dreaded, tragic terrible uh topic of player character death which is a part of D, which is uh, great <laughs> anyway why is that such a terrible concept uh, 
question though. I'm not question. Uh, Topic. Yeah. Not terrible. Like I'm very excited to talk about it, but I think it's something that, cause you know, you get very attached to your mm-hmm. characters as you create their backstory, you play them every week. So kind of like their death feels a little bit like yours. <laughs> you get too into it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, Oh yeah. It's like an avatar of yourself mixed with your baby. So <laughs> Yeah, it gets personal after a while. Like, especially if you've mm-hmm. played that character for a long time. I mean, death is an inevitable part of D&D. Um, I mean, I know there are lots of groups that they, like, all agree, well, permadeath isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's fine. I can I can do that, too. But, like, the way I see it, if it's a good death, if it's an earned death, if it makes sense, well, then it happened. Does not mean that I'm not sobbing. Um openly about this death but if it's time it's time (laughs) yeah that makes sense yeah obviously the best time to go down is in like the final boss battle so you can have a heroic sacrifice glorious moment (laughs) yeah yeah the best time is when you're level 20 and you're you're facing down you know a god On the contrary, I mean, the way that power works within D&D, the higher the level you get, I mean, the more trivial things like death become because there's so many ways to move around it, um, which I think like some of the critical role stuff and critical role rules kind of work towards with adding the DCs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, yeah, the higher the levels, it's like, oh, look, I mean, what, what is it the uh the third level spell failed to revive you okay well now we have a ritual that's a higher level to revive you oh that worked okay well we just you know get a druid to give you a new body you know stuff like that i mean it's it becomes less permanent as far as like the more power we get not just we but higher level characters in the game yeah mm-hmm. on that note like in general what do you prefer as to like death like if you if you are the kind of DM who or the kind of um, you know game runner who thinks that death should be a bit, little bit more permanent, will you still allow for resurrections? Just making them really hard? Like, is that just a conversation you need to have with your players first? But in general, what do you default to? Like, are resurrections incredibly rare and expensive? Are they a little bit cheaper? Um, do you try to just avoid player death to avoid having to do that? Like, what's the approach? There's they so should many. be expensive. Yeah, they should be expensive. They should be, you know, harsh on a party to decide, um, especially at lower levels because it enforces consequence on your action. So it's one of those things where at lower levels, as you're developing a character, you know it's probably not best to run into a room of 40 kobolds regardless of your level because there's still a chance that you die. And that could be a very permanent thing. So you kind of, having such a harsh kind of like response to death gives you that sense of you know maybe it's not best to do that stupid thing you were thinking because it might be you know funny or you know a good laugh if that makes sense yeah i mean i think that makes sense i think first of all it's a conversation to have before you start the game it's one of those things where okay we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about like here's what's going to happen are you okay with character death are you okay with permanent character death i mean and it's also an experience thing I, I, I'm not going to run a bunch of people who've only played once or twice and, and oh, death is permanent and it's really hard to revive your character. And at level clown shoes, 
they go down in a fight and they can't get their character back up, that can be really detrimental to somebody enjoying the game and being willing to come back and play. But on the other hand, if like we've been playing D&D for years, you know better. And while I don't think resurrection should be off the table, it should be difficult, especially as you get higher. So for me, I really like the whole, okay, well, first time DC's 10, but next time you've been too close to death at this point, you should have consequences for rushing headlong into danger and getting killed. But also if you've got a character and they die heroically, it shouldn't be impossible to bring them back. Not unless the player wants it to be impossible. Mm. It does kind of beg the question, I mean, is a heroic death, you know, better than dying of old age as far as, like, an adventure? I, I mean, mean, you have to end the campaign eventually, so you do need, like, a closing for your character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's probably a personal preference thing. Oh, and, and that's kind of why I, you know, looked at the Zealot Barbarian is because they're just at higher level. Uh, I think beginning at level six, it's, like, so hard for them to physically stay dead. It, it creates an interesting dynamic, especially with an older character that might be more welcoming of that type of, you know, setting um, as far as being accepting of dying and this is my time. And then like, you know, just getting a heal and all of a sudden you're ripped away from that door. Hmm. So it's, it's kind of, some of those things Balls are interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you guys think the, are you okay with permadeath? things should be like part of the standard discussion you have with your players before a game because um I haven't played that many games but I don't think I've ever had that discussion and all the games I've ever played have been like with the expectation that for my death is a possibility I mean I think with newer care newer players like I mean I have never been you know in a game where we've had that discussion I've just assumed well mm -hmm. I'm it's gonna fight table. a dragon a dragon could kill me. It might eat you. Um, I could get eaten. It's gonna, you know, that's a high possibility. But for like, I mean, I think it's it's table to table, game to game, and player experience. Like I said, there are people who just care about playing and telling a story, and they don't want to experience those dark consequences. Maybe character death is really triggering for them because they're using this character as therapy. So I oh, think. True. I think it's good to, if you think it's going to be a problem, and this is both on player and DM, you need to say, hey, character death. Yes, no, permanent. But, you know, most of us who've been playing for a while, we just sort of assume permadeath could happen. And we all I, joke about, well, I've got a back pocket full of characters. I'll just roll the next one. I mean... To bring that up i am excited to you know look at my next character i want to play regardless of if it's you know a replacement of a dead character or not but um to add to your sentiment though as far as like permadeath if you're playing in a homebrew campaign i think a lot of that is expected whereas if you're playing in a module i think that's something that should probably be brought up before you start it's like hey you know you have the risk of dying during these things and if you do, you know, you roll up a new character and join us again at the next session, not a big deal, or, you know, even later in that session. And I think, you know, part of that is kind of emphasized even in like Lost Minds on that campaign, 
with that mm -hmm. one particular enemy in that you know cave that's like what level three that can one shot player to death depending on the circumstance and not even the dragon that's in there so i mean yeah it, if you're in a homebrew campaign i think the expectation is already there because you're probably familiar with all the players that you're with yeah i suppose do you think that um like laura you mentioned that some campaigns like just don't do permadeath or sort of have a tacit agreement that they don't do that. I've personally never played in one of those games. Um, do you think it's possible to still have like a dramatic story, like with the with the knowledge that there are no permanent consequences? Like you can have other consequences, much right. other than death. I mean, I have personally never been uh, in a game where permadeath wasn't on the table. Mm -hmm. um, but I know some people will play and they will add a different kind of consequence that's you know at a, at the same level it's okay well we're not gonna have death but you could get maimed um lose an arm you could lose an arm you could lose an eye um that sort of thing i think that death is not necessarily required to tell a good story or to to have a really good dramatic story there are other things that can have that same dramatic effect because your decision to leave a town and that town going to hell and everybody in that town dying, that is a dark consequence. Even if your character survives till the end of the game, <laughs> because you're Nobody never going you. to die, you think about that town. I mean, even as a person, you think about that town. Um, so I think it's possible because I don't think character death is necessary to tell a good story. But I do think that because I, I, I notice I've been in a lot of games with a lot of clerics. I play one myself. When you have a cleric in the party, you play fast and loose. Somebody's got spare the dying. Somebody's got cure wounds. You don't worry as much about like making that stupid decision. And it leads to having like a really reckless party that sometimes goes a little murder hobo. Um, it doesn't think things through. So like character death, I think does drive a story and drive a party, but I don't think it's a hundred percent necessary to tell a good dramatic story. Nick? I, I mean, she's right. I mean, character death definitely doesn't require like, you know, it's uh, it's not required to tell a story. I refer to character death more as like a closure for that character. And just because a character is done with their story doesn't mean like a campaign is done with the story. And likewise, just because a campaign is done with a story doesn't mean the character's story is over. So I, I kind of look at like in retrospect to the game, death is almost like a lateral story, so to speak, as far as, you know, referencing the character and not necessarily the campaign. If you die in the paths cross, you know, it can create that added drama and that added, you know, element yeah that added element of um like emotional response within the story and driving force within the story um almost like how they used it in the first avengers movie mm -hmm. but on the same token i mean it's not you know to the overall story you can tell a lot of stories without having someone die and be just as efficient as if you use that as a plot device I'll say what, what Laura said before about like having 
non-personal death consequences weigh on you. I just had like a vision of like this level 20 party of like demigosh is haunted by their sins as they like <laughs> rule over the land, just thinking about like, oh God, all the people we've killed, all the things we've done. Yeah. <laughs> <Pretty funny. laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you kind of um, have to ask yourself, it's like, are you okay with the actions you've taken? Yeah, I mean, all the things you did or all the things you didn't do. You can have characters who saved the world, but you still think about that kid you didn't save. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't make it in time because you made the wrong choice. So like there are some serious consequences even when your character does not die. Or maybe you saved the world, but at the cost of, you know, like killing a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. Oh, a couple hundred, couple mil, baby. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just in d and yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the whole world. I feel like it's a big sacrifice you're going to need. Anyway, I digress. That's just how I do it. Um, so I know, obviously, you've both had characters that have gone down. Sin, um, we've talked about Sinric's death, I think, in the first episode of this very show. He did get better. Um, I mean, but <laughs> he got better. Eventually. <laughs> he got there. That's all that mattered. Um, but have you guys had characters that were permanent? I assume you have, but talk to me about that. Not yet, no. I oh, actually really? haven't had a character permanently die. Came huh. very close. I was at resurrection ritual um, and openly sobbing uh, because I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know if this ritual is going to you know, succeed and we're somewhere where I don't know that they're going to get my character's body back if, we, if this doesn't work. But I've never had a character permanently, permanently die. I've been this close. So, I mean, for me, I think it's one of those things where I know it's possible and I'm like, mm-hmm. I really shouldn't get attached to this character this much. I oh, you can't not. help it though. You can't help yeah. it though. Like, I, I help don't, it. It's like, don't put your heart and soul into this druid. Don't do it. She could die. Too late. I love her. I would die for her. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, what about you, Tick? So have you gone that close? I mean, in the other campaign from Sunday, I, I honestly thought that um, the character there was going to be the first character I had, like, permadeath mm-hmm. on. Um, but then, you know, the, the cleric showed up and had the materials we needed, like, out of the blue. But, yeah, otherwise, yeah, I, I haven't experienced, like, permanent character death, even in low-level characters. But then again, I usually play a little bit more cautiously than mm-hmm. like running into something. So all the bickering and like the indecisive and indecision, it, it seems normal to me because it's like, as much as I don't like it, it's just, you want to be a little bit more cautious so you don't die. But that's more yeah. or less the player decision and not necessarily the character decision. Which is kind of an interesting. I mean, the characters thing I assume are afraid of dying too. Oh, hundred uh, percent. But I do yeah. agree that a lot of the indecision and bickering happens when we all think, "Oh, is this where we TPK?" So, um, do you think? Do you think the fear of like TPKing can inhibit like the game? Then, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think if you get too much in your head and you start like all you can think about is are we going to, for example, in the spider fight, are we going to TPK to a bunch of spiders? Um, <laughs> in a <in> noble death. <laughs> well, uh, um, is, is pest 
is pest control the noblest death for the shields of twilight is it really is this what's gonna happen to us um it does it, it, can, it can hang the game up and you can spend like 30 minutes like planning because you don't want to be you don't want this to be the end for literally everyone mm -hmm. makes sense um do, do, do. i have actually had a character die before uh, my very first character this was before i was playing with serenity um but that was kind of like a disgust thing because um I was planning to exit the game anyways, and so I had, I let my arch rival kill me to make him feel good. It was fun. Um, well, at least you made someone feel good about it, though. I made somebody feel good about it. <laughs> that was a good death. That was a good, like, wrap up to that story. Um, what was I going to ask? Do, 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 do. Okay, so do you guys usually go into games with, like, backup characters already planned, or do you leave it till the moment you need them? I don't think I have a backup for this particular game. I mean, I usually have like six or seven characters in my back pocket, but they're all like, okay, well, I want to play this race at some point. I want to play this, mm -hmm. you know, this class at some point. I never go into a game prepared for my character to die. Um, I feel like a lot of times that'll put me in a really negative mindset. Like, okay, well, I've got the, I've got the halfling barbarian here in case I die. Um, but I do kind of have like a general idea usually of something I'd want to play. But you never know when it's going to happen. So I never really prepared. I mean, that that makes sense. Um, a lot of the characters that I prepared are because I wanted to just like play around with mechanics and, you know, play around like how classes <sighs> interact with each other and not things that would probably be suitable to playing in most campaigns. So yeah. in that sense, I can say that I think I have one character ready to go for like a character death because it's something that I found interesting. But for the most part, no, I mean, you really don't prepare for that. And the only reason I have that character prepared is because I died. So you're like, might as well start a new character just in case yeah exactly i mean i had what two and a half hours to kill on stream so i mean yeah. might yeah. as well make a new character yeah yeah i think that's kind of how you wind up having to do it is like in the moment like oh this is it um this might be the day uh, i'm gonna start rolling my backup character over here y'all please resurrect me but if you don't i mean i got something <laughs> there there's something here waiting uh Based on experience, though, as far as, you know, doing that type of behavior, I would say it's not the worst idea to have a mm -hmm. backup character ready to go with, like, not necessarily a flushed out story, but like a little bit of direction of where you want to go. So it's super easy to introduce that character. Mm -hmm. And then that way you don't have a situation of where you are, like, sitting around for half a session and have to wait until the next session to be introduced into a campaign. So yeah, in hindsight, I, I think I might approach that situation a little bit differently in the future because it just creates a smoother transition from one character to the next. So do you think it's good policy to have just like a backup character for the games you play or is it not really matter that much? I mean, that, that's kind of where my mind tends to drift at this point is like if you have a character that you're excited to play or, you know, a combination you're excited to try, it might be best to, you know, maybe 
have like an outline or a layout like you know it's like if you're writing a the you know an essay or something like that you kind of have your outline of where you want to go and the points you want to cover that mm -hmm. way it's super easy just to piece everything together not necessarily have everything ready to go but have the idea ready i kind of agree i mean I don't think that I personally am going to change my ways, honestly, because like I said, I feel like if I have a backup, either I'm going to play super recklessly because I don't care as much, or I'm just going to get in that negative mindset, especially like if, if we end like, okay, roll initiative, we, I know I'm going to pick up in a fight next session. I don't want to have a backup character ready and assume that, well, this is the day everything went to shit for this character. The day I die. Um, yeah, you know, I have this will be the day that I die um, moment. So, but on the other hand, I do have a couple of ideas that like I've got sitting aside. I'm like, I'll I'll see what if if push comes to shove, I've got some stuff that I can show Serenity and be like help me make this work in the world. Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, I usually don't have backup characters. Like I have a lot of character concepts, but I don't consider them backup characters. They're just characters I want to play at some point. Mm -hmm um for like for games i usually write a character specific to that um like to that setting so yeah it's a little bit hard yeah. to have a backup character because then you have to make up a whole new backstory for it and i kind of don't want to do that unless i have to so i usually don't yeah and i mean that's that's kind of a mixed bag too because when we developed these characters for the campaign we actually had a lot of information to pull from as far as mm -hmm. like developing characters and making backstories for characters. Um, so yeah, it's like, how in depth do you want to go? I mean, how much history do you want your character to have within the world before they start becoming an adventurer? I mean, so yeah, stuff like that can be a pretty daunting task, but as far as like going back against like pre-made campaigns, most of that is already taken into consideration and covered in like a quick paragraph i mean i uh, like like you truth i do i i base okay well this is the backstory for this world i'm in in this setting so for me it's an awful lot of i i mean I spend hours writing a backstory even if i've left 20 holes because i want to i want to give the dm places to really screw with me mm -hmm. um because I never want to know everything about my character. It's um, almost a requirement to leave those openings. Yeah, you gotta I mean, I, let I, the plot seep in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, it's like, well, I've got like maybe one character that I could adapt her backstory to any sort of world, you know, but mostly I'm like, well, okay, this is the world I've got. This is where she fits in this world. As I think it's especially true for like homebrews because mm -hmm. I have a million character ideas. That I don't know that they would work in, you know, in the world we're in now. And I don't want to sit down and like try to make them all fit because then I got to rework them later. Got to do more work later. Yeah. Um, so neither of you have had a character die. Have you been like in a campaign where someone else's character permadeathed? Uh, yes. How was that? No. Oh no. Yes, um, entertaining to be honest because <laughs> the first time that it happened was in a pre-made campaign and it's like 
you don't really expect it to happen and then all of a sudden someone gets you know their head bashed in by a weapon and it's like well um now we have to check the rules on massive damage and oh yeah oh they um, get more than half there yeah it's like yeah. <laughs> your character is dead and then they kind of like um you know get upset because their character's dead and it's like sorry roll up a new character sheet and you know join us in an hour or so or the next session i mean but as far as like homebrew i can't say we haven't been affected by permanent death um i've been in one campaign um where a character perma died um and it was like a totally unnecessary death um which was you know kind of annoying uh, it was a centaur character, and she was playing this this super pacifist character who didn't really want to do anything. And the town was being bombarded by airships. Mm-hmm. And we had stolen an airship and were, like, airlifting people out. And she chose not to let us, like, winch her up and get her onto the airship. So... Interesting. I, I don't know. We had figured out, like, with the amount of people, like, the amount of strength we would need to, like, literally get a person who is half horse up into this airship. Um, and so, like, for us, like, she wasn't super attached to the character, but, like, we had built a rapport as a, as a party. And so, like, my character got survivor's guilt, um, and that sort of thing, but it was kind of like a silly, unnecessary thing. Like all, all you had to do was like participate in your own rescue. Um, and of course they got really upset because like, well, I mean, you just killed my character. Well, you let it get bombed. So, I mean, I think, I think one of the things that's really interesting is when you have a death in the party Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily your character, but it's someone like, especially if it's far into a campaign, you've been running with these people for like years, technically. And suddenly one of your party is dead, dead, and you can't bring them back. And what does that do to the party dynamic? It creates a lot of, uh, yeah, interesting emotions. Yeah, reverberates. Interesting. Um Right, so as we discussed before, you can get very attached to your characters. Um, not that you've had characters die, but like, what do you think, how do you deal with it? Like when your character dies, someone that you put a lot of effort and work into. I Love must say, it's, um, I must say though, like, I'm not, sh- um, Ticket keeps saying stuff about like the difference between like a, a pre-made campaign and a homebrew campaign I'm not sure there's really that much difference like when it comes to character death like I would expect the rules to be more or less the same for both the reason why I kind of separate that difference there is because some of those like uh, pre-mates tend to not take as long to kind of finish Mm -hmm. as a 1 to 20 campaign so you have more opportunity to get more attached and more invested into a character as you bring it to 1 through 20 so I mean that that's kind of how I differentiate between those. I mean, I think they're, I mean, I, I get, I get that, especially like if you're in a campaign that's, oh, we're running a module and mm-hmm. it's, you know, if you run that module by the book, then I, I think it does feel a little bit different. But like, if you have a really good DM who spends a lot of time personalizing it, 
then my character dying in the middle of Curse of Strahd is going to hurt just as bad. Yeah, man. As my character dying in the middle of the homebrew campaign that I've spent hours and hours and hours working on. Um, so like for me personally, I mean, it would depend, like if we're just running a module for, you know, like a one sake of running it and it's, it's not something that's been like made personal and made our own story. Then I, I guess for me, it's going to be a little bit less of a, you know, stab in the heart. Um, but like if, if I've gotten, you know, if, if this campaign has been made personal, if it's been made, you know, this is your story. Um, then I don't see a difference, to be honest. And yeah, that's fair. I mean, there there's some of those that are designed like level one to five where you're done in like, you know, a week or two. And some are even, you know, it's like as far as like running one shots where you only play for three, four hours and mm -hmm. that's kind of it for the dungeon. Um, longer campaigns, you become invested against the character. If it does die, I mean, yeah, it affects you and you know, you, you still need to process that. You still need to get that out. And then, I mean, yeah. I think it's very fair to say you will mourn your character. Mm -hmm. And and you will grieve for the loss of a character, especially if, if it's a character that you've developed, you know, if you put hours and hours of uh, blood, sweat, and tears into this backstory. And it it's doubly painful if you realize, oh, there's so much that I'm not going to get to tell. There's so much I'm not going to get to know about this character now. And I mean, you might get angry as well. And I mean, that's completely understandable for people mm -hmm. to get angry when, you know, their character dies. Yeah. And I'll say, like, obviously, I dread any of my characters dying. <laughs> um, but one of the reasons why I'm kind of pro permadeath when it comes to D&D is because, like, it's more than just, or for me, at least, like, D&D is more than just a power fantasy. It's a fantasy of a whole life, which mm -hmm. includes things like pain and grief and death and loss and things like that. So it's a whole damn world. <laughs> and stuff, it's very sad. Oh, yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, I know that D&D gets a lot of flack for, oh, it's just a combat simulator. But for me, it is not about, okay, well, a fantasy about a girl who can, you know, magical girl transform. The bit not as, you I know, mean. it it is, but it's not just a, a story about changing into animals and being strong. It's a story about a person's life and the life and the path that they have chosen. And that means all the emotions are on the table. This is okay. not, oh, I can beat up a monster. I feel good about myself today. It's going to hurt sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, even though that, you know, little bit of beating up stuff is kind of fun in D&D stuff in D&D terms, um, most games are like 90% role play to like 10% combat. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had more, even on our campaign so far, way more role play opportunities than we've had combat opportunities. And I mean, that that's kind of the nature of the game. It, it's a role playing game for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, a combat game. I agree. We can do 100%. dungeon crawlers, but for the oh, most yeah, part, absolutely. I think definitely the way Serenity runs and the, the way I think a lot of people run it is more as role play um, story forward, mm. which is fun. Um, yeah, I think okay, that's so, kind of the way it should be. Agreed. 
obviously run your game however you want. Um, that's just our yeah. opinion as non-experts. So um, backtracking a little bit um, to talk about resurrections again. So how expensive in your opinion should a resurrection be? Like, is this going to be, does it depend on the campaign? Like, should it be a whole arc where your characters like completely abandoned their current quest to go resurrect their one team member? Maybe the whole new storyline. Can you go down to your local necromancer and give them some money? Um, I think it definitely depends on the campaign. I mean, yeah. if you're in a campaign where you're extremely wealthy, then things become trivialized such as material. Whereas if you're in a campaign where you're struggling to make ends meet, then obviously things like resurrection become that much harder. Um, so I think, yeah, you should have that expectation of, all right, um, is it feasible to buy resurrection materials as a party versus resurrection services from yeah. like a local, you know, cathedral or church or however you want to preface that. I think that's where also the, and I, I love the way that CR does it and the way that, that uh, Serenity is doing it. That's why I think the ritual should be so in depth because for a wealthy party, okay, well, I can get that gold, I can get that diamond. But you have to give so much more that's not money that makes it more powerful because for, you know, for our party right now, if we had to do raise dead, we'd be owned we're broke all the time unless I mean, if it's on me <laughs> i mean because then it doesn't cost anything <laughs> but at the same time I mean, a wealthy party it's not i mean okay well i have the diamond but can you give enough to make you know can you give enough of an offering to make the gods let your you know let your friend go Yeah, it really does. And I think it's definitely like campaign um, specific. It depends on what kind of campaign you're running, like whether or not your party can take some real time off from their quest to try and resurrect their friend if they want to. So yeah. many. Uh, and what's the word? You know, I guess to follow Rables. up on that is like if you're unsure of those things and you're playing a game ask mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be in front of everyone just you know send like a message on discord or you know however you communicate with your dm you know it's like ask on what the expectations as far as like resurrections and things like that are and then you kind of have a better idea mm -hmm. i think it's this is one of those things that communication with your players and your dms are key like you need to know and you need to feel comfortable communicating with your DM. Definitely. And just to be clear, I talk a hard game about, about permadeath, but as a DM, I make resurrections very cheap. I get so attached to player characters. <laughs> yeah, so you're, um, you're, I'm going to throw a dragon at them, but also they're my special babies and I work really babies. hard. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to make them suffer, but not die. Lots of suffering, no death. <laughs> Um, I mean, that, that is an interesting point because I mean it, it's never DM versus the player y'all are playing the same game I mean mm -hmm. you all have the same outcome in mind I mean yeah so I think that does play an aspect into like resurrection rules as well mm -hmm. and honestly it can like it's definitely a hurt as a DM it's definitely a hurdle to get past like when a player character 
dies like right before their plot was about to come in and you're just like oh <laughs> oh no <laughs> well do i torment the players with like having to solve the dead yeah. story uh yeah it's a thing um cool so i know neither of you guys had a character die which means you've never been part of a tpk um the dreaded tpk do you think like a TPK is necessarily the end of a campaign? Can you come back from that? Like you have, can you have everyone just roll new characters and start sort of where they were? Maybe not exactly where they were, but you could weave the stories together yeah. so that you follow mm -hmm. the footprints. I mean, it, it's not that I, I, well, I say that I don't believe it's that difficult to kind of weave like a trail to lead a new group of adventurers on a path. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it really depends on what that TPK was. Um, mm -hmm. Because if your party TPK is in some nonsense um, that wasn't a plot point. Yeah, they got um, killed by goblins or spiders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we had TPK'd for spiders, <laughs> I think it'd been really hard to like weave brand spanking new characters in. Um, but you, like, you know, in that case, you're an adventurer and you stumble upon this group and you find their magic items on them that no one can seem to identify and you know that then you kind of weave their stories together in that sense yeah um i mean i think that's probably the only way you could have done but like if you do if the tpk happens like okay well your party died trying to save the city they weren't alone in that city there are survivors maybe someone saw it happen or someone made it out barely because of your party even if you even if it's not something that actively happened um you know okay well they rushed all these citizens out and then they died one of those random citizens might have you know a thirst for adventure or a desire to make things right and they owe their life to this party and so you weave them into the story that way a new generation rises <laughs> Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> There's definitely ways to tie all that together and do it so it's like um, a captivating and doesn't feel like a cheesy kind of way. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Um, one more question. How do you want your characters to die? That is. Like this character or mm -hmm. just in general? Yeah. Sin and Perry, the characters oh, we all know and love. <laughs> it's oh, going no. to be in battle i mean that's it's going to be in battle against like unpredictable odds or doing something stupid because dobby suggested it one or the other i'm, I'm yeah. gonna be really really cliche here and i i want harry to reach arch druid level and die of old age passing on having changed her village for the better having opened the door for communication and saved her village and changed the way that the ocean and you know exists and i know that's cliche but she's not a battle character um so obviously i'd be thrilled if she died in a blaze of glory but i just don't see perry doing it i think mm -hmm. she's too cautious for that um and she is such a nurturer that i don't i don't i don't see her you know going out you know there's a reason she didn't get into combat with the Afrit until the last minute. Although I, I really wish I, I'd prepped title weight for that fight because I could have taken that <laughs> elemental. Um, or, or maybe the magic item you had. 
um, the circlet. Yeah, see, I, I completely forgot about the circle of the water dancer until the session ended, and I was like, oh, no. Hindsight. <laughs> Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Hindsight. Um, but I really think that for her, it's, it's, she is ancient, and she has left a mark and a legacy with her people, and she just dies, or she dies protecting that village. Very cute. I mean, that, that makes sense. I mean, well, I... I, I Oh, sorry. Go, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say. I mean, when, when I developed, you know, the character of Sinric, as far as like um, writing the backstory, I, I had the expectations of how it ended and came to be. It's like the first thing I developed was, you know, essentially the total, you know, that TPK moment, where you know that that's where I chose the subclass in the class from is being a character that's dead already and still going on based on primal urge against a fight of you know it's already killed everyone in the party so you know you're still going out of pure blinding emotion at that point and then the battle you know subsides and it's the character giving its last breath and dying while you know the party is essentially laid to rest and that's kind of you know like the inspiration as far as writing the backstory of the character so ideally that's kind of how I expected it when I wrote it, but yeah, definitely Blaze of Glory. <laughs> well, I hope a monument is built where Sinric finally falls, having taken out an army or two by himself. <laughs> and I hope well, Perry I, I dies. I don't think it'll get that big of a deal. An but... army or two, I say. And Perry dies surrounded by, I don't know, a couple hundred grandkids, great grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> they all weep for months <laughs> at the passing of their elder. And that's our time for tonight. Thank you guys for being here and talking with me about deep and personal issues um, and D&D. <laughs> and thank you to everyone watching. Um, we'll be back here again next week on Tuesday. Make sure to tune in on Friday. Stick around after the stream for links and stuff. Uh, very important links and stuff. And thank you for watching. We love you. Good night. <laughs>